It is Sunday, August 2nd. Time for a, another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA Podcast. I am your host, Trent Reinsmith. And first things first. And first thing we'll be discussing Dana White's talking tough about um, confronting referees and judges in the UFC. And this is a blowback from Dan Hardy, um, I guess, approaching Herb Dean after last week's fight card where Hardy took umbrage with what was a late stoppage on Dean's part. Actually, two late stoppages. And so he spoke to Dean after the second of those stoppages. And that did not sit well with Dana White. And so White had something to say. And it's curious that he would say this now when it is far from the first time that something like this happened. So here's what White had to say. And obviously I'll have something to say about that after I play the clip. So here's White. What did you make of the Herb Dean, uh, Dan Hardy uh, situation that happened in the, the fight card? Yeah, let, let me say this to you guys. I, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that question. Something went down last night in Abu Dhabi, too, where, where Goddard got pushed. And I want to make this very clear. If you work for me and you approach a judge or, or a referee or any type of official, I will fire you. You will lose your job. You will never work for me again if you do that. Nobody has, has the right to – listen, you want to criticize judges, you want to criticize referees, you didn't agree with a decision or things like that. We love Dan. You know, Dan got emotional. And, and the problem is now, with this setup, it's a lot easier to do, okay? It's a lot easier to interact with everybody, from the fighters to the refs to the media and everybody. If you work for me at any capacity and you approach – a referee or judge or an official, I will fire you that night on the spot. That, that can never happen here ever again. Have you spoken to Dan since that? I'm incident? speaking to him right now. I'm speaking to everybody. Don't ever do it ever again. And if you're a fighter and you put your hands on or you know, threaten any official, you will never ever fight here again, period. Excuse me if I don't believe this for a second. And here is one reason why I don't believe this for a second. Because in 2014, Dana White said this. There's one thing that you never bounce back from, and that's putting your hands on a woman. And then we know that there was other fighters who had uh, domestic abuse issues on their records and we also know that White not only signed Greg Hardy to the UFC after this after that statement was made but he actually said that Greg Hardy had never been convicted of doing anything which is not true he was convicted by a judge and then he disputed that and got a jury trial and the woman that he um, was convicted of in the first the first go round um, 
could not be found to testify against him in the jury trial. So he was found not not guilty because she didn't participate. She didn't participate in the trial, and the charges were eventually expunged from his record. But that doesn't mean he was not convicted because he was. But he was convicted by the judge in the initial trial. So, yeah, and that's why I don't believe White when he says this. Another reason, the three other reasons I don't believe White, or is it two? The two other reasons I don't believe White is Roy Nelson kicked, um, I think it was John McCarthy, in the butt after a, a finish that Nelson, I think, didn't like because he felt it was late or something. I, I don't remember the circumstances exactly, but I do remember the the aftermath of McCarthy's call. And and one of Conor McGregor's teammates leapt over the cage at a Bellator event and ended up putting his hands on uh, a referee. It was um, Mark Goddard, who just got some other fighter put his hands on him um, over, I think it was recently. But yeah, and in the McGregor case, nothing really happened. I don't remember what happened with um, Nelson, but I, I, I don't think he was unemployed after that. And McGregor was definitely not unemployed after that. Um, McGregor's case was much more egregious because he actually entered the fighting surface, which is a foul of its own, and then put his hands on Goddard, which above and beyond that. And if White tries to claim, you know, that was in Bellator and that's not my concern, well, come on now. that That's his concern. But it's Conor McGregor, and we know Conor McGregor can commit any kind of infraction, um, maybe, in, I, won't, I don't want to say, but any kind of infraction, and the UFC will be, will, will, will furrow its brow for a day or two and then blow it off and make money off Conor McGregor. So I don't believe this for a second. This is White just talking tough. Are trying to act tough and talk tough. And, you know, maybe if someone on the lower, someone that the UFC can't make money off of does this, White can make an example of that person. But if, uh, if a McGregor does it again, if somebody else does it that's in the upper echelon of the UFC who can make them money, and nothing's going to happen because nothing ever happens to those people other than White comes out with some strong reaction moments after the incident and then blows it off days after the incident. We've seen it happen over and over again. When McGregor threw the dolly through the bus window, it was the worst thing that ever happened in the UFC. A few months later, the UFC was using that promotional material to to sell the fight. This is just another incident of White trying to act tough because that's what is expected of him in the moment. And then when something happens that he has to follow through on his statements, there'll be an excuse, maybe an excuse, but it'll get blown off and forgotten. So just another, just another disappointing day from Dana White.
Mike Perry made an attempt to make an apology for his actions at the Texas restaurant where he punched an older man in the head and dropped him. And I want to stress the attempt because it is a failed attempt. There's a lot to unpack in this attempted apology. So let's get started with Mike Perry's apology. And this is the quote from Twitter because that's where you make an apology. I want to be a better role model for my family, for my unborn son, my queen at Latori G, and for myself so I can earn the respect I deserve. To my sponsors and my bosses at the UFC, I want to apologize for how my actions have impacted our relationships. I will be better all around. So that's not an apology. That's a, I want to save my job and keep my earning power with the UFC and I don't want my sponsors to drop me and that's it. That's what that is. This is one of those non-apology apologies. On par, maybe a little less less effective than the if I offended anyone non-apologies. But yeah, this is not an apology. So, wants to be a better role model. It's a <laughs> Might be a little late for that. Um, and I want to earn, so I can earn the respect I deserve. You can't, I don't know, this is a confusing sentence. How can you earn the respect you deserve? You either are respected or you're not. And I don't think anyone deserves respect. You kind of, like this says, earn it. But you can't, it's just confusing, so... I don't understand the the sentiment here other than that he thinks he ha- he thinks he deserves respect for something. I don't know exactly what that is, but come on. Um of course to my bosses and and sponsors, yeah, that's don't fire me and don't cut me loose and let me make some money. He wants to apologize for how his actions have impacted their relationships. Okay, maybe a little bit of an apology there, but what were those actions? Does he apologize for those actions? No. He doesn't apologize for punching that dude. He doesn't apologize for anything other than that it affected his his actions affected his relationships with people that give him money. That's the only part of the apology here that's actually almost kind of an apology. Um, so yeah, he never apologizes to the man he punched to anyone. So this isn't an apology. Um, maybe get some PR people. Um, he has management. Why, why don't they work with him on this? If they did, they failed spectacularly. This is not an apology and no one should think it is. And that's the end of that. Just not an apology. This information came secondhand, but it was from a very reliable source. I don't want to name this person because they might not want to be named. So, but anyway, uh, Leon Roberts was criticized for his performance on Fight Island early in the UFC's stay there. 
and after that after that um, fight that he refereed that he was lambasted for you didn't see him again on Fight Island and the reason for that was because more or less Roberts removed himself from Fight Island and he went home and from what I was told he did so because he didn't think he could uh, perform his duties properly in the cage and so instead of uh, refereeing fights that he was not would not have been focused on he elected to go home and I don't know what what the problem was or if there was a problem or if there was just a lack of focus or whatever that but for whatever the reason to for Roberts to remove himself from that situation is commendable it's admirable and I would hope that other referees and judges could do the same thing if they were uh, if they felt that that they were unable to perform their duties up to the standard that is expected. So I just want to I just want to give Leon Roberts props for that because I believe that that's a rare thing and it's a commendable thing and you uh, hear much more criticism of referees and judges than you do admiration for referees and judges. They have a difficult job. Um, and, you know, perfection is expected of them. And that that expectation is might be a little high sometimes, especially with how fast things move. And, you know, it's even something as simple as where they are, if they're a referee, where they are standing, if the action moves too quickly and they can't get into position, that could be something that could cause a, a, an issue with how they finish the, how they call the end of a fight. Uh, for a judge, it might be something as simple as the, the promotion wants the best camera angles for the event. And so the judges are seated at a position where they can't see all of the action. And they miss out on some things because of that that position um, or because the, the promotion wants to have whoever's sitting in the front row have a clear view clearer view of the cage and so the judge gets a worse view of the action that could happen so uh, I think sometimes we don't take into account the little things that can uh, affect a an official's job but again I also think that those officials should be held accountable and if and like I said before if they can explain well what what they're thinking is then you then then that's the best they can do just do the best job and and that's it but uh, yeah when you listen to referees and judges speak about the little things you might not think about inside of a of a of a fight you kind of get a different appreciation for what they go through and that recently happened with me and i don't change my tune on having referees and judges be be accountable but i think sometimes the criticism can be much stronger than is warranted 
And I think that that kind of criticism should be tamped down a bit. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But, yeah, so Leon Roberts deserves some props for recognizing a situation that could have been bad or gotten worse and removing himself from that situation. So I just wanted to say that. So on um, August 1st, it was announced that Red Sox pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez will miss the rest of the MLB season because of a heart issue that he's recovering from. What Rodriguez is suffering from is myocarditis. Excuse me if that's uh, mispronounced. But it's an inflammation of the heart and the team believes that it is a result of a bout with coronavirus. And it says here that he tested positive for COVID-19 before the start of summer camp. And he was cleared and re- to return. Uh, but it was he was shut down after a MRI revealed a inflammation in his, of his heart. So this goes towards the thing where a young, healthy person can recover from COVID-19, most likely will recover from COVID-19. But this 27-year-old professional athlete now has an issue, and we don't know if it's what the long-term effects of that are going to be. And in MMA, this is a concern. Um, and well, in any sports, it's a concern, but it's going to be a concern now going forward with MMA fighters. And this is something the UFC and the, the athletic commissions are going to have to react to. And I'm going to reach out to the UFC in Nevada and California to see if I can get um, an answer as to what the plans are for testing. Uh, I, would, I would suggest testing everyone because there's a potential that an athlete had COVID-19 didn't know it and could be suffering from something like this it's it's scary and this is why it's important to to make sure everyone gets tested and and this is just another thing we're going to have to worry about going forward to these for these athletes in the UFC because as I've said before, we don't know the long-term effects of this, of this, this disease, and we don't know what's going to happen. And just because you're better and cleared to fight or cleared to play baseball, doesn't mean there's not an underlying issue that could affect you long-term. And so, like I said, I'm going to reach out to Nevada, California, and the UFC to see if I can get a reply as to what the plans are uh, for for this knowing that things are rearing their heads that might not have been expected at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So hopefully Rodriguez recovers and can play sports again. And hopefully this is not something that the UFC is going to have to worry about 
with its athletes, but it is something I believe that the UFC and the other promotions are going to have to deal with and test for, and to not do so is kind of reckless in my opinion. This next thing is kind of mind-boggling. It is Dana White speaking about the doctor and the stoppage on the UFC on ESPN Plus 31 main event between Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian. And here is the clip. Uh, And last thing for me, what did you think of the stoppage in the main event? Um, Some thought Herb was waving off at the end of the second round and then he waved off pretty quickly. Yeah, I I mean, Shabazian looked like he was out at the end of that round. You know, um, I think that the doctor could have stopped. First of all, the doctor's obviously inexperienced. You know, I I don't know anything about the doctor, but I haven't seen him before. You, You got Brunson, who ends that round strong many could argue that fight could have been stopped right there at the end of the round sure the ref thought the guy would have time to go back what you don't do is talk to the guy for fucking 10 minutes while he's hurt you know what i mean either stop the fight or let him continue but go you know you're letting the kid recover while you got brunson who just did that work and he's waiting for the bell to ring so that he can go in and finish the fight pull the trigger one way or the other stop the fight or or don't it might be hard to catch but one of the most ridiculous statements i've heard from white in quite a while is contained in that clip and that is obviously the doctor is inexperienced i don't know anything about the doctor well you so you don't know if the doctor is inexperienced. Just because you haven't seen him doesn't mean he's an inexperienced physician. And I would have it. I would find it hard to believe that the Nevada State Athletic Commission would name a inexperienced doctor as a cage side physician. Nevada's been doing this far too long, and has had and has had far too much experience to send somebody out there that is not qualified to be a cage-side doctor. I'm going to follow up with Nevada on this, and I'm going to try and get the information on the doctor and his background and how many other fights he's uh, been a cage-side physician for. And I will report on that because that's important because I don't think Dana White has any right to disparage a physician and say he's inexperienced when he admits seconds later that he knows nothing about this physician. That's that's reckless and frankly it's dumb and so I'm going to research that and also the claim that he spoke to him for 10 minutes come on 10 minutes it was not 10 minutes in fact it wasn't even a minute I just looked at the clip judging from the ESPN plus video it was 15 seconds that the doctor spoke to Edmund Shabazian before the start of round three. So, another thing, Dana White just saying stuff. This next clip is disappointing on a couple levels, and I'm going to focus mostly on the media level. So, here's the clip. Uh, did Kevin Holland get his uh, any win bonus or anything? Because uh, so these guys that didn't fight tonight, they all they got paid some money, and we're trying to turn these guys around. I think Holland's going to fight next week. So they got paid some money, and then they didn't get their show money, though. 
I've been critical of the media in the past about this, and I'm going to be critical again. When doing an interview, focus on the answer because it could lead to a follow-up question. MMA media has, and this might be all media, but since I'm focused on MMA media, that's what I talk about. There's this tendency to have a question in your head that you want answered. So when you ask a question, many media members don't listen to the answer because they're too focused on the next question they have lined up. And so then they miss out on an opportunity to answer that, to ask that follow-up question. And usually if there's a follow-up question that can be asked, you're going to get better information and more information and it'll make the story that you're working on more full. It's, I know it's the difficult thing to sometimes think about because if you have, especially if you have the questions written down in, in your hands that you want to ask, that, 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 that leads to th this problem more often than not. But in this question, the answer that White gave was they got some money they didn't get their show money though. So then the next question, obvious question is, why did they not get their show money? They did everything that was required of them to get their show money, and yet they did not get that. And so the question is an obvious why. Make White answer that question. Now, if you're uncomfortable with asking difficult questions, maybe the job's not for you. But that's not really a difficult question. That's a, that's, that should not be a difficult question because it's an obvious question. It's not a gotcha question. He white lined it up. It's hanging out there right over the plate. You got to take a swing at it. But it, there was no swing at this one. And that's very disappointing. And yeah, I, I, wanna, I want to know why these fighters who are fighting during a pandemic made weight did everything that was asked to them, but they didn't get paid their show money, which was budgeted, and their fights falling out didn't cost the UFC any money from ESPN because the card still went on. So the UFC got all their money that was expected. The fighters did not. The question is why. Ask the question. The last thing for today is the five minute review of the main event and this is something that it's going to be part of the five dollar tier of the patreon of my patreon page going forward i want to include it here uh, for free just so um, you know what you're getting but this is something that's going to be available um, and i don't know when it's going to switch over to the patreon i will include it here for free for a while until i make the switch to the patreon and i will gives fair warning for that but um, if you want to sign up for the patreon i will include the the link in the notes and yeah so here is my five minute or so review of the main event bout between derek brunson and edmund shabazian so edmund shabazian derek brunson and it was a it was more or less a mauling from Brunson he he uh looked impressive it was his third fight training with Henry Hooft and the team at um 
Sanford MMA in Florida. So he's 3-0 and now with that team, which is impressive. And he's also looking more and more like he used to look in the past. So he's, he's combining his striking and his wrestling very well. He was calm. He didn't rush in. He didn't leave his chin out in front of him a lot like he usually does. There was some of that, but not much. So all in all, Derek Brunson looks like he is at 36 back in the mix and, and on an upward traje- trajectory. He, he, I, I can't praise him enough for this performance, but I don't really want to focus on him too, too much because really this fight was, um, go, was supposed to be the coming out party for Edmund Shabazian, and it was not. Um, I this is the kind of fight where that can make or break a prospect and someone at 22 with a team of to be blunt front runners behind him in Traverdian and Rousey it makes me concerned about what's going to happen here because we saw what happened to Rousey when her confidence got ruined so it's a big concern. Um, he uh, he ex- expended a lot of energy, and I think that was the biggest biggest thing that he's going to take away from this. This fight will be a learning lesson, but I don't know which way it'll go for for Shabazian and his team. Um, he expended a lot of energy because he's been knocking people out and stopping people early. So once you get that that kind of feeling, that kind of confidence. You, you, it, it can mess with your head, and I think that's a little bit of what happened here. Uh, I'd also think a little bit of what happened was that seeing that he was landing, but not really hurting, but not injuring Brunson. That his team maybe should have had him take a lot off his punches because every punch was thrown at a hundred percent, and that's why he gassed. Um, his takedown defense was not good. Uh, instead of fighting the takedown, he elected to strike. So there were elbows to the head, punches to the head, but that's not takedown defense. So he kind of accepted the takedown in the hopes that his striking would, would, I don't know, stop Brunson from going from the takedown, but Brunson's been around too long to let that happen. And so he was easily taken down. Um, the last minute of the second round was a nightmare. He just was tired. He couldn't get up. And Brunson just mauled him on the ground. His body language going back to the corner was abysmal. And for all the talk of how he's been training with Tarverdian for and Rousey for 10 years, then Tarverdian should have known that he was out of that fight. He did not want to be back. He did not want to go back out for that third round. And that was even more apparent when the doctor was speaking to him before the start of the third round. And he would not look up. He kept looking down. He wouldn't make eye contact. His body language was awful. And that was noted by Paul Felder. And Felder even said, hey, know your fighter. Know your friend. And 
I don't know. I don't know why he sent him back out there. He's 22. The fight was lost. He didn't want to be there. And, and yeah, he only went out for 26 seconds or so in his third round. But he shouldn't have even went out for that. Um, so this is going to be a learning experience for Shabazian. And if he comes out in his next fight and looks the same, I would say he needs to move on to a different team. I, I don't give... Uh, the way Tavardian has been coaching, I don't give him a, a, a long leash. And if he doesn't make changes in Shabazian's fighting, uh, have him back off a little of his power and, and, and things of that nature and work on his cardio and rebuild his confidence here, then you need to separate yourself. At 22, you need to separate yourself from that environment and move on. I don't care how long he's been there. That's meaningless if he wants to grow. If he wants to grow, he'll grow. But he's not going to grow if the coach is holding him back from that growth. So there's a lot to unpack in that and in, in how brief this fight was. And it's a learning experience for, for Shabazian for sure, but it should also be a learning experience for his coaches and his team. And it's going to be very telling when he comes back out to see what changes have been made. Uh, Shabazian's talented. I will not deny that. But he needs someone. I think he is going to need someone to harness that talent and get it to the next level. Maybe this was just overconfidence from everybody. Could be. But if it's a, if it's a coaching and training and team issue, then Shabazian needs to remove himself from that team. And that is a wrap for today's edition of the Come On Now MMA podcast. I am Trent Reinsmith. Check out um, the notes here for Patreon, YouTube, Instagram, all that good stuff. Sign up, follow me there, and hopefully, can I can we can make this thing grow into something uh, more than it is and improve on what I deliver and and grow. Um, that's really all I want to do here. So any support you guys can give me, I, uh, I appreciate it a, a great deal. And I thank you for that. And until tomorrow, stay safe.